Pastor Arthur Branner Testimony and Sermon Bible Learners Ministries is geared toward enhancing spiritual wisdom. We are on the verge of expansion, to reach different aspects of people from different demographics around the globe, through modern media technologies, to help inform, inspire, engage, and spread the end-time gospel message of Jesus Christ. Our ministry ambition is to inform, inspire and engage. Bible Learners Ministries has obeyed the command given by our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, according to the Great Commission of Matthew 28. We are indeed living in the last days and let's all obey the command, given by our Lord Jesus Christ. The Great Commission Understanding that every person who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ is saved, the born-again person needs to be fed on the true Word of God, not as taught according to the doctrines of men, but according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Each person with their gift and talent is welcome to use their talent in accomplishing God's work. Shalom, today happens to be Saturday. We received a message early this morning from Tom, one of our precious listeners. Today is a new day when we have risen up from our beds, let's give thanks to our Lord God Almighty, our Father in Heaven, for allowing us another blessed day, so that we may give glory, honor, and praise to Him. Our Heavenly Father, we are still here because of the Lord's love, His mercy and grace. We are asking You to guide our steps, so that we will never be separated from You, our Lord and our Saviour. Help us to be obedient to You, Father. Son and Holy Spirit. We are praying that everyone has a happy Sabbath day. Have a blessed day, Saturday. This is the message we received from one of our precious listeners saying, Reform in Sabbath observance. The entire message says. And I quote. The Sabbath is a golden clasp that unites God and his people. But the Sabbath command has been broken. God's holy day has been desecrated. The Sabbath has been torn from its place by the man of sin, and a common working day has been exalted in its stead. A breach has been made in the law, and this breach is to be repaired. The true Sabbath is to be exalted to its rightful position as God's rest day, 
In the 58th chapter of Isaiah is outlined the work which God's people are to do. They are to magnify the law and make it honorable, to build up the old waste places, and to raise up the foundations of many generations. To those who do this work God says, Thou shalt be called, the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Verses 12 to 14. The Sabbath question is to be the issue in the great final conflict in which all the world will act a part. Men have honored Satan's principles above the principles that rule in the heavens. They have accepted the spurious Sabbath, which Satan has exalted as the sign of his authority. But God has set his seal upon his royal requirement. Each Sabbath institution bears the name of its author, an ineffaceable mark that shows the authority of each. It is our work to lead the people to understand this. We are to show them that it is of vital consequence whether they bear the mark of God's kingdom or the mark of the kingdom of rebellion, for they acknowledge themselves subjects of the kingdom whose mark they bear. God has called us to uplift the standard of his downtrodden Sabbath. How important, then, that our example in Sabbath-keeping should be right. In establishing new churches, ministers should give careful instruction as to the proper observance of the Sabbath. We must be guarded, lest the lax practices that prevail among Sunday keepers shall be followed by those who profess to observe God's holy rest day. The line of demarcation is to be made clear and distinct between those who bear the mark of God's kingdom and those who bear the sign of the kingdom of rebellion. Far more sacredness is attached to the Sabbath than is given it by many professed Sabbath keepers. The Lord has been greatly dishonored by those who have not kept the Sabbath according to the commandment, either in the letter or in the spirit. He calls for a reform in the observance of the Sabbath. End of quote. Thank you Tom, Asante for sharing this message. Thank you too, precious listener, Namuancha, Ejwara, Oseko, for your comments and views. It is our prayer to you precious listeners on this blessed Sabbath day of rest, that you may continue to obey the word that comes out of the mouth of God, the word by which every man must live by. Welcome wherever you are listening at this moment. We are grateful that you are tuned in. Thank you for listening to Bible Learners Ministries BLM Radio Podcast. We hope you are enjoying the programs wherever you may be listening globally. Please. Give us a comment and views on the shows and our programs. How you are being blessed, through the messages we are sharing, and also the programs. For more information, and teaching resources, visit our main Bible Learners Ministries website at www.biblelearnersministries.org www.biblelearnersministries.org Brother Onsongo Matura has now taken some time once again on this Sabbath day, to compile this insightful message, which is part of, Living in the Last Days series. Living in the Last Days series are messages that feature the signs of the end times, as stated in the Bible, and the soon return of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ.
Christ our Lord and Sphere, our Sabbath is coming back soon. Having read this insightful message of the end time signs and the rebellion by the sons of Satan, God's enemy, this is a confirmation that we are living in the last days, and we are now approaching the end of the present age. People of these last days living in obstinate disobedience to God's word of truth. Many people have rejected the word of truth from the Heavenly Father, they have chosen and decided to listen to the word of their fellow men, the word that is not from the mouth of God, but from Satan the God of this world and the Father to the disobedient. Man has been given free will and can choose to listen to God, thus making him their father, or otherwise listen to Satan, hence allowing Satan to be their father. This is what Jesus said, as recorded in John chapter 8 verses 43, 44 and 45. He asked them a question. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your further the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the further of it. But, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. The Bible as recorded in the book of Luke chapter 3 verses 7 to 9, John the Baptist also preached to the people. In Luke chapter 3, starting from verses 7. Then John said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, Every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. We have already done an introduction to the topical discussion, Christ our spiritual Sabbath, the Lord of our souls and Lord also of the Sabbath. We are going to talk more about, Jesus Christ our Sabbath rest, Jesus Christ our spiritual Sabbath. We have talked about the natural Sabbath day of rest, Saturday, which many disobedient and blinded people have neglected. But this is the truth. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. As we read in the book of 1 John chapter 2 verses 1 to 6. There is the test of knowing Christ, and also the test of knowing him. 1 John chapter 2 verses 1 to 6 says. My little children, these things I write to you, so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Verse 2, And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only but also for the whole world. Verse 3, Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. Verse 4, He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Verse 6, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Jesus said he did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill the law. But because of disobedience of the sons of the evil one, Satan, men have now planned to change the law and this is happening in these last days, 
The Bible in the book of John chapter 8 starting from verse 12, says. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself, your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury, as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and will die in your sin. Where I go you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself, because he says, Where I go you cannot come. And he said to them, You are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Then they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me. I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say, you will be made free. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornication, we have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, 
and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the further of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words, therefore you do not hear, because you are not of God. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory, there is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and you say, If anyone keeps my word he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? And the prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him but I know him. And if I say, I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you, but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Here is a message by Pastor Arthur Branner a pastor of the Southgate Adventist Church in the United States of America and on this Sabbath day of rest, he is sharing testimonies and a message, time is at hand, prepare to meet the Lord. Talking about the last days and the mark of the beast. The full sermon during Sabbath service at Winston Green SDA Church, Birmingham, in the United Kingdom, is now available on the Bible Learners Ministries YouTube channel. We hope that you will be blessed. You can find the related topical discussions published on our main website Bible Learners Ministries website at www.biblelearnersministries.org www.biblelearnersministries.org Welcome Pastor Arthur Brana. joy of being able to hear her sing like that every day. It's a blessing to my soul. I'm thankful because she married a man that can't carry a note except in a, in a hymn book. She had always desired to have a husband who could sing, and I told her, well, that's why I married you. The two of you, or I should say you should sing, you sing for the two of us. And uh, my wife and I are just delighted to be here with you this Sabbath day. And we're praying in a manifold way that God's Spirit will be in this place. We will not walk away out of this sanctuary the same way that we came. I'm praying that the Spirit of the Living God will tabernacle in our hearts we will be possessed by his spirit and leave this place increased for the cause of God to do a greater, a bigger, and a mightier work for his kingdom. 
want to start with a few preliminary statements by an inspired writer that I believe has fitting words for the day and time in which we are living. Notice carefully, there is no excuse for anyone in taking the position that there is how much? No more truth to be what? To be revealed. And that all our expositions of scripture are without an error. The fact that certain doctrines have been held as true for many years by our people is not a proof that our ideas are infallible. Age will not make error into truth, and truth can afford to be what everyone? Afford to be fair. No true doctrine will lose how much? Anything by what kind of investigation? Close investigation. Beloved, I want you to know this morning that we are told and instructed that toward the end of time there would be things that we would come to learn and understand in deeper measure with regards to prophecy that will fill our hearts with courage to know the, and understand the time of our visitation. Notice this taken from Signs of the Time, May 26, 1890, in our knowledge of truth. There is first a beginning in our understanding of it, then a progression, then completion. Much has been lost because our ministers and people have concluded that we have had all the truth essential for us as a people. But such conclusion is what everyone? Is what everyone? I promise you I won't bite you if you talk back to me. Amen. But such a conclusion is erroneous and in harmony with the deceptions of Satan. For truth will be what everyone constantly unfolding. Review and Herald, July 26, 1892. We have many lessons to learn and many to what? Unlearn. God and heaven alone are what? Infallible. Those who think that they will never have to give up a cherished view never have an occasion to change an opinion will be disappointed as long as we hold our own ideas and opinions with determined persistency we cannot have the unity for which christ prayed trouble will find them unready I had heard from several individuals and had read with my own eyes the many occasions where an inspired writer writes that there will be no more time prophecies. With that in mind, I began to search every place that she makes mention of that. 
And to my, dis my dismay, to my surprise, what I discovered through my research quite frankly disappointed me and made me upset because what I discovered, as with every single place that she mentions that, if you look at the context from where it came, you will discover that she meant that in speaking of those who declare the day and the hour of Jesus' return. We have said there, is no more, there are no more time prophecies, but that is not what she said. She was declaring that those who would, in fact, declare the day and the hour of Jesus, there would be no such prophecy. And as a result, I begin to plunge into the Word of God. I have been a pastor for 20 years, and I have been studying the books of Daniel and Revelation. And there are things that God desires for us to know in this hour of Earth's history that is pertinent to our understanding that we might be a people who are wise unto salvation. It was declared of servant of the Lord that when Noah was on this earth, he preached and knew the probation of earth's history at that time. He was given not only the message to preach, but the exact time in which the probation of earth's time would come 120 years and I believe that Noah as he preached he says you have 100 years you've got you've got 95 years you've got 80 years you've got 50 years you've got one year you've got two weeks you've got one week you have one day before he went into the ark and then we are told in Genesis 15 and verse 13 that God told Abraham the time of the probation, the time of testing for the children of Israel when they would be in Egypt that it would be 400 years. He declared to him the time of their probation. Through Jonah, God told Nineveh that they had 40 days to repent. Praise God, they did repent. And their judgment did not come, but nonetheless, God gave him the time. Likewise with Israel who traveled through the wilderness. It was told of them when their cup of iniquity had, had filled, that he declared unto them, you have 40 years and your probation is up, you will have died. But not only that, Israel of old was declared through the prophecy of the 2300 days located in Daniel the 9th chapter verses 24 through 27 that probation would end for God's people in AD 34 at the stoning of Stephen. They were to know and understand the time of their visitation. Likewise, as Jesus stood before the people in Luke, the 19th chapter and verse 43, Jesus declared to them, For the day shall come upon thee, and thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, 
and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. And then the Bible declares he went into the temple and began to cast them out. Jesus began to sort out the church, turn over the tables, get rid of those who were rebellious. He was sifting the church and he had told them that they knew not the time of their visitation. The implications of that is that we as a people who are living at the very end of earth's history, if he would tell Noah, if he would tell Abraham, if he would tell Jonah, if he would tell Israel twice, would he not also do the same for God's people in the last end of earth's history? Would God just walk away and say, cross your fingers and guess? I think not. According to what I have learned and studied in scripture that God does reveal the time of our visitation. No man knows the day of Jesus' return. But the time of probation, yes, God tells his people, if God would be merciful enough to the children of Israel to tell them their close of probation, isn't God the same yesterday, today, and forever? And would he not, knowing that this is the most significant time of church history, a time when God is looking for a people to be without spot or wrinkle, reflecting his perfect image, wouldn't he not tell them of the time of their visitation so that they, in fact, will be ready? Listen, I want to share with you Please bow your heads with me. Please, oh God. I need your mouth to speak through my mouth. I need my ears that you might speak through them that I might hear. I pray, oh God, that you would arrest every heart toward the throne of God. That in great measure we would be changed, renewed, transformed. While I am preaching and teaching, while I am sharing, I am listening also. Give us a mind to hear, a heart to discern, and the wisdom to walk in humble obedience, we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. It was in 2015 the Lord moved upon my heart to begin to preach a series of messages entitled Prophecy, Science, and the New World Order. It was during that time that God moved upon me to see the things that were happening in the world that were leading up to what I believed would be a culminating event that would transpire in September of 2015. As the days ticked off and the day drew closer to September, I began to see all of the things that were happening in the world and beginning to realize that something of great significance and order would transpire. What I'm about to share with you now are the things that led up to September of 2015. 
and bring you to the place where I discovered what I believed the most significant thing to happen in our day and age as it relates to our spirituality and understanding of probation. I am not asking you to believe what I believe. In fact, I'm going to tell you, do not believe what I believe. Take it home. Open this sacred book and discover for yourself what God will say. And if you have a sincere desire to know and understand truth, God will lead you. For the Bible declares, many shall be purified and made white. But the wicked shall do wickedly, but the wise shall understand. The wisdom of God is needing to be birthed in the people of God in these last hours. For there are two categories of people. There are those who are wise and those who are foolish. There will be none who hit the gates of heaven who will be labeled foolish. It will only be those who are wise. The wise will not have a vague understanding of their time of visitation. They will not have some foggy recollection or knowing. They will in fact be a people who are readers of the signs and the times and know the exact hour of their visitation. That is my firm belief, but the evidence must be laid forth this morning for you to see and for you to determine for yourself. So notice carefully. What were the events that led up to September 2015? Notice carefully the signs in the heavens. Number two, the day of atonement. And finally, number three, political and civil events. Let's take a look at the signs of the times. Jesus in his discourse in Matthew the 24th chapter Begin to share with the disciples after walking out of the temple for the very last time. They had asked him the question, what is the sign of thy return? We so often as a people declare that there are signs of Christ's return. And while that is true, in the literal sense, in the what sense? In the literal sense, there is only one sign. Read the verse. What is the sign of thy return? And Jesus goes forth, and in verse 6 he says, But be not deceived, for many shall come in that day. He goes throughout the chapter declaring those things that will happen, but he said, Don't be deceived. These things will happen, but the sign is not yet. Then and finally, in verse 14, Jesus declares exactly what that sign is. This gospel shall be preached unto all the world as a witness to all nations. Then shall the end come. Jesus knew and understood that there is an event that does in fact mark the end of time. That shows the sign of his soon return. The one thing that should be riveted in the hearts of God's people. But how can we in fact know when this event would occur, how would we in fact be able to know that the gospel has reached every kindred, nation, tongue, and people? In the very next verse, the one you see on the screen, Jesus declares, when you therefore, therefore meaning, after the gospel has been preached to all the nations, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet standing in the holy place, 
whoso readeth, let him understand. That event that would mark the culmination of the gospel having reached the whole world is when the abomination of desolation takes his stand. But I want to tell you this morning that he has taken his stand and many of us are totally unaware. Hence we are living right there at the signal event where time is wrapping up and we are on a timeline. Notice carefully the signs in the sun and the moon. The Bible declares in Revelation the 6th chapter and verse 12, And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. When would that event take place? We know, of course, from the historical standpoint, that there was a dark day that occurred May 19, 1790. But listen carefully to what I'm about to say. There were many signs that preceded the judgment of the dead that occurred in 1844, October 22nd. But hear me carefully. Every event that preceded the declaring of the opening of the judgment in 1844 will be repeated during the time of the judgment of the living. Why? Because God is not interested in simply revealing or warning his return to dead people. He's interested in people who are alive, who will discern the signs of the times, see those events, and know that they are mockers for his soon return. What is the context of this event where the sun would be darkened? Notice carefully. Joel 2 and verse 31 provides the context of that occurrence when the sun would be darkened. Sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord to come. Notice the context is Joel 2, 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall Prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. The time when that would occur would be the what, everyone? Come on now, it would be the what? The latter rain. Keep that in your memory bank. We're coming back to it in just a moment. So when did this event occur? Many of you are aware of this. An event of prophetic proportions that took place in August 21st, 2017, where there was an eclipse that traveled and spanned the continental distance from east to west, or excuse me, from west to east in the United States. How many of you witnessed that event? It is declared that seven years later, that same eclipse will travel in the opposite direction, dissecting itself in the middle of the United States. This event is of great magnitude. Many during that time said that it was an apocalyptic sign of Christ's soon return. But not only that, the Bible declares that the moon would turn to blood. How many of you heard of these four events 
referred to as the Tetrad, the four blood moons. Let me see your hands raised if you see, if you look at that. Very few know of it. It's an occurrence of great magnitude and significance. Because during that time, each of these blood moons spanning from 2014 of April all the way to September 28, 2015, and with each increment of the appearance of these blood moons, it happens that they fell on a feast day. Now listen carefully, please hear me clearly. We are not, I repeat, we are not required to keep the feast day. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, no, no. Somebody say amen again. Amen. amen. However, the feast days are markers. They are what, everyone? Markers. How is that, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. The reason why is because our most significant day, our understanding as Adventists, when Christ moved into a new phase of his ministry from the holy place into the most holy place where he then began to judge the world, it happened on the Day of Atonement in October 22nd, 1844, and that was way beyond the cross of Jesus' death in AD 31. Hence, we know and understand that God still uses his calendar and God's people should be awake and wise to know that when God specifies or God allows an event to take place, he does so on his calendar, not ours. This is significant. Each one of these blood moons occurred on feast days. And it is said that there will not be another occurrence of a tetrad four blood moons to ever happen again for another 670 years. Is that significant? I think so. So here we see the sun turning to blackness like sackcloth, the moon turning to blood. But then notice carefully, if you will, the stars. We know, of course, November 13, 1833 marked the time of the great dark day when the stars fell innumerable in numbers that far exceeded most people's expectation. In fact, Frederick Douglass in his diary wrote as if he believed this, the world was coming to an end. This event has occurred recently, of which many of us are totally unaware. It happened on August 13, 2015 and it was called Precedes. My wife and I went to an open field location as far away from the city that, as we could and we watched and looked at the stars that fell that night and they fell at the rate of 200 meteorites per hour. This event is phenomenal. In fact, most of us have never heard of it. And yet Jesus said that these kind of things would happen. Not only that, let's take a look at the Day of Atonement. 
See, in order for Christ to come back, there must be some movements that take place. We know that according to history, there was a dark time in Earth's history that we know of where papal authority reigned and ruled upon the Earth. And we're told in Scripture, in Revelation, the 13th chapter, that the same promulgation of papal dogmas and decree will be inflicted and imposed upon society, the Earth's inhabitants, where the demands of papal authority will rise again to dominate and force the conscience of men to worship on a day that is not prescribed in Scripture. But in order for that to happen, there must be a healing of the deadly wound. We know that the papal dominancy that took place in 538, it ended its reign of darkness in 1798, where the Bible declares a deadly wound was inflicted. But it is soon and very soon that that deadly wound will be healed. In fact, I will tell you that the wound has healed. It has just not enforced its dogmas upon society. There are two things that are necessary for the completion of this papal power to regain its full dominance yet once again. Number one, regain its political influence. It's what influence everyone? And secondly, gain control over the affairs of the church. Let's look at the first one, political influence. Listen carefully to this. To unite condition unconditionally. So now we will, we will proceed with the signing ceremony of the unity of religion agreements. The unity of religion agreements is a groundbreaking promise of religions to unite condition unconditionally and without discrimination to achieve true peace. I would like to call upon the following religious leaders to come up to the stage and join us for the signing of the ceremony of the unity of religions agreement. First, Archbishop Martin de Jesus Barahona to please come up to the stage. Also, a representative of Holiness Sharukirti Panditak Hariyabari Aswamswati Sri Bataraka to come to the stage. Also, from the Islam Shia faith, El Sharif Muhammad Hassan El Armini to come to the stage. From the Hinduism faith, His Holiness Swami Shidadanda Saraswatiji Maharaj, the Guru of India. From the faith of Buddhism, Representative Dr. Ashin Nyani Sara, founder of the Siddhartha Buddha Vihara. Would you please make your way to the stage? From the Catholic Church, Archbishop Antonio Ledesma from the Philippines. From the Anglican Church, Archbishop Patricio Enlique Viveros Robles. From the Sheikh religion, Singh Sahib 
Shana Gurbacha and Sinji. If you could make your way, make your way to the stage, please. From the Jewish faith, Rabbi Jeremy Yehuda Milgram. From the Zoroaster faith, Dr. Meher Master Moose. And from the Baha'i faith, Dr. Bharti Gandhi. Uh, while the proceedings continue carefully to the we will conduct the signing ceremony of the agreement to propose the enactment of an international law for the cessation of war and the enactment of an international law. That signing took place as a desired purpose in the near future. This peace agreement with all the religions on the face of the earth, except for one at that time, would culminate in its end to enact an international law. This took place in 2014. And notice carefully something that occurred in the United States of an order that was unique, to say the least in all of United States history. It was during that time preceding his event of attending the White House that he wrote his encyclical. It is a letter that goes out to every single member of the Roman Catholic Church and is a letter that is specifically designed and designated for the bishops to carry out as an order. That encyclical was laced with language that describes a pope who has an agenda to bring about the legislation of a law that imposes papal dogma and decree. A law that will enforce Sunday as a sacred day in opposed to God's true Sabbath day. That encyclical was laced with Sabbath language. He first appeared on the White House, White House lawn. The very next day he appeared there in Congress. Notice what the Word of God declares which I believe alludes to this very event that transpired. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. That the image of the beast should both, what is that next word? Speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. The United States invited the little horn power also known as the beast power to come and to speak to the United States and yea, even to the whole world. It would be three days later, excuse me, two days later, that he would also appear at the United Nations and to address every single leader in the world. And notice carefully, if you will, the language and verbiage Scattered throughout the encyclical, it is called Laodicea. 
It is the Pope's venture to promote climate change. You see, in the Bible, there are two Sabbaths, if you will. The weekly Sabbath represented by the seventh day, which is Saturday, the day in which we are right now, right here, gathered together. But Israel was also called every seven years to observe a time to allow the land to rest. The papacy for the last three years has been going forward promoting climate change. His agenda has been this. We need to allow the earth, the land, to rest. We need to take measures, drastic measures, to curtail all the events that place emissions in the air and pollute this world, we ought to take care of her for the earth needs its Sabbath too. How conveniently would he believe that it is necessary to provide one day of a week, one day of week to rest and to lessen the amount of travel and intersperse so that somehow we will lessen the amount of pollution so that we can preserve the land a bit longer. On Sunday, our participation in the Eucharist has special importance. Sunday, like the Jewish Sabbath, is meant to be a day which heals our relationship with God. The law of weekly rest forbade work on the seventh day. Rest opens our eyes to the larger picture and gives renewed sensitivity to the rights of others. And so the day of rest, Sunday, centered on the Eucharist, sheds light on the whole week. God rested the seventh day from all his work which he had done. So too men and women created in the image of God are to enjoy sufficient rest and free time that will allow them to tend to their family culture, social, and religious life. The institution of the Lord's Day, is he referring to the seventh day? Absolutely not. On Sundays and other holy days, and what's that, what's that next word? Days of what? Obligation. Believers, and what's the next word? Must refrain from engaging in work act or activities that hinder the worship owed to God, the joy proper. And finally, public authorities have the duty. Did you hear that? It's not a recommendation. Not a maybe or a mind. You have the sacred duty to ensure that for reasons of economic productivity, citizens are not denied time for rest and divine worship. Skipping down, they have to give everyone a public example of prayer, respect, and joy, and defend their traditions as a precious contribution to the spiritual life of society. Christians, letter blue, Christians in respect of religious freedom and of the common good of all should seek to have Sundays recognized as a what? Legal holiday. Notice carefully, gaining control over the affairs of the church. The papacy declared in August 12, 2015, in the Vatican radio address, Sunday keeping is so sacred that it is the conduit of every grace of Christ. In other words, if you're not keeping Sunday, the grace of God is not flowing in your life. 
This came from a man by the name of Will Lindsay Williams. He is known far and wide as having a tremendous influence for many years. He was a chaplain to the movers and shakers behind the scenes, the Illuminati, those men who press the buttons behind the scene and run the world. And he said these words, the Roman Catholic Pope just announced when he speaks at the United Nations on the 25th of September 2015, he will ensure and encyclical. The definition of an encyclical is a letter from the Pope sent to all the Roman Catholic bishops. Next paragraph, according to Pastor Williams, who by the way is not Seventh-day Adventist, this means that when the Pope announces the New World Order in front of the annual gathering of world leaders on September 25th, 2015 at the United Nations, just before the signing of the implementation of the post-2015 developmental agenda that the Pope will order every Roman Catholic around the world to obey unconditionally total obedience, including the acceptance of the mark of the beast when it is announced. Startling language coming from someone who is not a Seventh-day Adventist. January 2014 was a meeting that took place with this man whose name is Tony Palmer. How many of you heard of him? In this room filled some of the major big league hitters of the evangelist, the evangelical world. Every big name pastor who had a megachurch was assembled in that place. And for the distinct purpose of promoting a unity with the papacy, Tony Palmer was the envoy, the messenger, to collaborate and to bring those who were there to join together, linking arms with the Roman Catholic Church. He declared himself to have come in the spirit and power of Elijah. And his sole function and purpose was simply to join the hearts of the Father with the children. What Father was he referring to? Was he referring to the Father in heaven? Absolutely not. He was referring to the Pope, to join the hearts of the heart of the Father to the children and the children to the Father. You know that during the time of Christ's ministry, there was a forerunner who came in the spirit and power of Elijah. His name was John the Baptist. Now listen carefully to what I'm about to say. The Pope recognizes and believes that his ministry is parallel with that of Christ. And that would only make sense. He refers to himself as the vicar of Christ, the representative as God on this earth. Jesus came here and performed a ministry of three and a half years, but prior to him coming, he had John the Baptist who came in the spirit and power of Elijah. And shortly before Jesus came on the scene to continue with his push and power for three and a half years, what happened? John the Baptist died. Tony Palmer, who came in the spirit and power of Elijah, 
mysteriously died after giving this address. And now, beloved, the three and a half years, in fact, the Pope declared that he believes he will not live to be too much older and that his time would be cut short. Tony Palmer declared, the protest is over. I don't know about you, but I am still a God-fearing, commandment-keeping, believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I will not shut my mouth. I will not back up. I will not turn around. I will not recant. I will continue to preach the truth and believe that the seventh day is still the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, and we should observe it, and we should understand that we are to worship no man's commandment. Then they did worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Notice what servant law says, the Protestants of the United States will be foremost in stretching their hands across the gulf to grasp the hand of spiritualism. And notice later on the influence of this threefold union, this country will follow in the steps of Rome in trampling on the rights of conscience. I'm going to just play just a portion of this. Some of you have seen this event that occurred in 2017. Now when you're dealing with what happened 500 years ago, that split got into the hands of wicked spirits in heavenly places got it for 500 years what will we call protesters what is a protest strife yes and the we we hey we haven't been known for the way we love one We've been known for our church fights. I mean, you gotta know that. But that was the big one. And the longer it went, the more strength that devil gained. These are wicked spirits in heaven because it got into governments. It, I mean, hey, this thing's huge. Just huge. And I'm sorry to say, most of the church don't know it's over. But they better find out. I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh, one of my favorite days in my life was with Pope Francis. What a man. He's one of my heroes. And this is what he's all about. This whole thing. That's one of the things that got me so on fire about it. And I am on fire. I just heard, I heard the Lord say this uh, just two days ago. 2018 is the year of the Holy Ghost and fire. The big 18 in 2018. The nine fruit of the Spirit and the nine gifts of the Spirit. Listen to this. How many of you caught 
that he misquoted scripture. There is not wickedness in heavenly places. The Bible says that there is wickedness in high places. There's no wickedness in heaven. Satan got kicked out of heaven. And to add insult to injury, he then says that basically the 500 years of protest was a fluke. That millions of people, the Albigenses, the Waldenses, the Huguenots, during the Dark Ages died for nothing. If they were alive today to hear that, they would turn cartwheels and faint. <laughs> Beloved, we are still people of this book. We are still people who believe in every truth written on the letter of its pages. That God is not a lie. His word is still true. What day did the Pope visit United States? September 23rd. That happened to have been the day of atonement. You see, beloved, the papacy was Pope's subversive introduction to Sunday Sabbath. The national Sunday law is already here. It has just not been enforced. Many of us are looking for that day when it's announced, and it will be. But we're thinking that it's in some far distant time when the Pope came, gave his warning, told us, for those who are wise and see, they will understand. In fact, notice carefully, he came to the White House on the 23rd. The next day, he stood in Congress where he ought not to stand. Why? Because we know that there should never be a merger of church and state. Many refer to Congress as the hallowed halls of Congress. There's nothing holy about Congress. But the fact that the Pope stood before the world, not only on the 23rd, not only on the 24th, but the 25th and the 27th, as you will see, and declared a false Sabbath, and by his actions on earth, he polluted the sanctuary in heaven. And thus... He trampled on the holy place in the sense that God's true and holy Sabbath day is a day that ought not to be trampled on. In fact, we read from Isaiah 58 and verse 13. If thou taketh thy foot from off the Sabbath from doing thy on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, not doing thine own what? or seeking thine own ways, or doing thine own pleasure, then shall thou inherit the heritage of Jacob. And notice carefully, beloved, I want you to see why this was so significant. Here's the reason why, and many of us perhaps are not aware of this, but Acts the third chapter and verse 19 provides some profound insight. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Question, blotted out, when does that take place, you good Seventh-day Adventists? That is language that specifies the day 
of atonement. The most sacred day of the Jewish calendar year that is a day of judgment. A day of what everyone? Where everyone's life is being weighed in the balance. In the Jewish economy, it was the one day of the year that they were to come. And during that time as the high priest went into the most holy place, all of their sins were, be, were to be eradicated through the actions taking place in the most holy place. But then notice carefully, continuing with the verse, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. When is the time of the refreshing? That is referring to the latter rain. So listen carefully to what I'm about to say. It is during the time when the blotting out takes place or on a day of atonement that what takes place simultaneously, what takes place is the latter rain, the outpouring of the latter rain. And that makes sense because we are told that in order to receive the outpouring of the latter rain, you must get rid of all besetment of sin and that we must live a life holy and pure unto God, receive justification from our sins, that we might be imputed the righteousness of Christ. That has to take place. So why is that important? Here's the reason why. In 2016, over 400,000 baptisms took place. Total membership involvement and evangelism took place in Africa and in particular, particularly Kenya. It is responsible for the propelling of the church official membership to 20 million. The church office of archives and statistics and research reported earlier this month. And then notice a record 1.2 million people were baptized in 2016, including an unprecedented 110,000 from a single campaign of over 2,000 total membership involvement evangelistic meeting in Rwanda. If that's not the Holy Spirit, I don't know what it is. Can somebody say amen? amen. Beloved, God has begun to sprinkle. If we think that's something, we haven't seen the full measure of the Holy Spirit grow to its fullness as of yet. We're going to see 10 times that much occur in the near future. When ye shall see, therefore, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. That word stand is the Greek word histamine. Why is that significant? Here's the reason why. In Acts, the 17th chapter, verse 31, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. That word appointed is, guess what? His statement. So here's what the Bible is saying. On the appointed day of the judgment of the living, the abomination of desolation would take his stand. I believe that event occurred in September of 2015. And because he adulterated God's true Sabbath day, God looked down from heaven and the church, I believe, has begun its judgment of the living. While that is happening, many of God's people are taken by distraction. 
We're caught up in so many worldly enterprises. YouTube, internet, Facebook, and certainly some of these things can be utilized for a very useful purpose in ministry. But we need to be careful and cautious that they are not our source of entertainment, but instead should be our source of spiritual edification. And lastly, let's look at the political events that end. This event called Joint Assistance for Development and Execution for Homeland Eradication and Local Militia was a military operation of a huge magnitude that transpired in the United States from July of 2015 to September. It was one of the most largest operations carried out in modern day history, spanning a number of states. In fact, it involved nine of the United States, including the largest state in Texas. It had been spread all over social media and internet that this would be an event that would mark perhaps the beginning of martial law in the United States. It provoked many militia groups to begin stockpiling weapons and storage of food, imperishable foods, believing that perhaps the government was going to bring demise. And beloved, I believe that it was preparation for an event that they know is forthcoming training to prepare the United States government at a time when crisis will envelop and the government will declare that there is a need to apprehend the citizens of the United States by government enforcement laws that will keep its constituents constrained. What did Jesus say was the abomination of desolation? Note carefully. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. The desolation that Jesus was referring to was the destruction of the Jerusalem temple by Rome in AD 70. But note carefully, here's what would happen. In AD 66, Jesus gave them their sign that the army would first come under the leadership of Cestius. The armies would surround Jerusalem and for no reason, unexpectedly, they would withdraw. Jesus declared that that would be their sign, that they must grab their things, don't go down if you're on your housetop, but you must immediately flee. It would be then that they would leave the city and the armies would return three and a half years later in A.D. 70. Notice what servant of the Lord says. The ruin of Jerusalem was a symbol of the final ruin that shall overwhelm the world. The prophecies that received there, what kind of fulfillment? Partial fulfillment in the overthrow of Jerusalem have a more direct application to when? To the last days. We are now standing on the threshold of great and solemn events. A crisis is before us such as the world has never witnessed time that is in the far distance when like early disciples we shall be forced to seek refuge in the desolate and solitary places 
as the siege of Jerusalem by the Roman armies was the signal for flight to Judea, Christians, Judean Christians, so the, what's that next word? Assumption. It does not say enforcement, it says assumption. Do you know that the papacy has already assumed power? He has but to carry out and enforce it by legislation. Notice carefully, it will be then time to leave the large cities in preparation for leaving the smaller ones. Jesus said that when you see the armies, the armies came, did their military exercise <coughs> beginning in July. Three months later, right before the Pope comes, they finish and withdraw. Is it a possibility that like Israel of old, those same armies that surrounded Jerusalem as they returned three and a half years later, is it possible that those same armies might return in the United States to begin the process of the National Sunday Law? I'll leave that to you to study and decide. There it is, it was Sunday. 27th of September, of all the events that I named, the appearance on the White House lawn, the appearance in Congress, the appearance at the United Nations, this would be the most significant. Why? It was here that there was a world gathering of the family, the World Council of Families. What happened? Families from all over the world, it was told, it was said that at that gathering, there were over 80,000 family members assembled. Some with more liberal estimates say that it was an upwards to 110,000 people who came. What would be the Elijah message? To bring the hearts of the children to the father and the, and the father to the children? This is significant, why? Because it would take place on tabernacle. It would take place when? File that away in your memory banks. We're coming back to it in just a moment. Let's move quickly. So here it is, the Jerusalem timeline. Three and a half years, AD 66, September 27th. Is that date significant? I'll leave you to determine that. The thing that happened is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. So I'm gonna skip past this and just say that God wants us to be a people who are prepared for his soon return. The Bible says that the scenes are just before us, which will cloud upon us, and they will be movements that will happen swiftly to break upon the world as an overwhelming surprise. The soon end will come like a blinding force. When Protestants will reach across, we shall see. I'm going to skip over this video. It was simply one of United States great commentators who said that in 2017, which he happened to make this broadcast 10 years previous, he said in 2017, is it possible that technology would be able to determine 
for medical purposes to tag people and know their blood pressure, to know uh, and be able to use them through biometrics to determine their whereabouts and to know their, their whole physical condition. I was sitting in a prayer meeting one Wednesday night in 2015. A woman who was a nurse in my church stood up with her eyes as big as saucers. She says, I can't believe it, Pastor, the things you've been preaching. We were, we had an emergency meeting and our boss told us that they will now begin to use technology to put chips in people's arms and in their hands so that they can find their blood, so that they can just know their blood pressure by using a little scanner to determine their whole body condition. And she said, it's coming, and it's on its way. She was in total shock. More now, here we find that that event actually occurred in 2017, where they began this technology in Wisconsin with a small company called Foursquare where 50 of its employees receive the chip. Now why am I saying that? Simply because I believe that when John, and I know we have said that it's not a literal sign or mark that you can see, but I want you to think about this for just a moment. I'm not asking you to believe what I believe. I'm just gonna give you biblical evidence for what I believe. Any place in scripture that seems to imply by type the mark of the beast, for example, with Cain and Abel. As a result of his sin, God placed upon him a what? A mark. Was that an invisible mark or was that a mark that any who came encountered with him would see it? It was visible. Another place, you remember Uzzah took on the prerogatives of the priest. He goes into the sanctuary. The priests come running after him and as a result of doing that, what appears on his forehead? Leprosy. Was that visible or was it invisible? It was visible. In both places in scripture that seem to imply something that can infer a type of the mark of the beast, they were both literal signs. I believe that when John in vision saw something, it wasn't that he saw nothing. He saw something. How could he say that there was a mark on the hand if there was nothing there? Does that make sense? Yeah. But that's what I believe. 2000, or excuse me, 1983, this magazine came out. And this magazine is called The Economist. And the, this is the front cover, the actual front cover says, get ready for a world currency. Now, some of you have seen some of the videos of Walter Biden. He shows how the events that transpire on this earth are planned. And even in fact, many television shows actually show these events happening long before they occur, Bart Simpson's. Well here, they judge the time when this world currency will come to pass. And oh, by the way, let me just say this. There are many economists, world economists, such as Jim Rogers, Peter Schiff, and the likes of many others who are world economists who are saying that the dollar, the United States dollar, is about to crash. And what was estimated as a time, this is a mythological creature called a phoenix, which when it, it symbolizes the birth or rebirth 
They're saying that the rebirth of the world currency will occur, and right there you can't see it, but guess what the date is? 2018. In order for the mark of the beast to occur, we're going to see a change in world currency because we know that those who do not adhere to the government demands will not be able to buy or sell. This may occur, who knows? This, this year, it might occur next year, who knows? But it's soon, I believe. Jesus paid the price for our sins. He received a mark in his forehead and in his hands so that we would not have to receive the mark of the beast. Listen, beloved. Again, I'm not here declaring the day and the hour of Jesus' return. Nobody knows that. But what I am here to say is that it is highly probable and plausible that based on the evidence that I have revealed to you, that we can, in fact, know the close of our probation. With events that are transpiring at the church, decisions even being made right now at the Autumn Council of the General Conference, this church is about to split. And the leaders of the church are leading us. The question is, where are they leading us? And like Israel of old, where the leaders were being judged, and Christ said to those leaders of his time, your house is left unto you desolate, and three and a half years later, he declared that their destruction would be nigh. You know when it happened that this ordeal first started to take place with the church beginning its duress? 2015. And it's almost three and a half years later, just like it was in Jesus' time, when in 1831, he declared, your house is left at you desolate. Three and a half years later, it was up. Beloved, I don't know about you, but this morning I am more determined to live for Jesus than I ever have. Amen. Stevie Wonder can see this and understand what's going on. I declare that we as a people should have eyes to see ears to hear, a heart to discern, and to be ready for Jesus' soon return. We don't have time. We don't have time. Make your calling an election. Be sure that God is on your side and you are on His side. That the God of heaven who desires you to be with Him where He is, you would be steadfast, unmovable, bounding in the work of the Lord. He can declare, well done, my good and faithful servant unto us. May God help us as we move toward the day of our visitation. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that you have given us direction and understanding. I plead and pray, O oh God, that each and every person would go home and open the book of Daniel and Revelation to study these matters through for themselves. 
Lord, you have promised to speak to us. Irrespective and irregardless of what happens six months or eight months or a year from now, if nothing happens, we'll just have gotten ready a couple weeks early. So help us, oh God. How many would say under the sound of my voice, Pastor, it's my desire to live for Jesus, to be ready for a soon return, to give my life in full submission, to be sanctified, to be justified. If that's your desire, would you just raise your hand where you are? Praise His holy name. Father, we bless your name. We thank you. Now for every hand that's been raised, do your sanctifying work. In the name of Jesus, we pray.
this world. Thank you Pastor Arthur Branagh for that insightful message. Precious listener. We hope that you have been blessed. That was Pastor Branagh, a pastor of the Southgate Adventist Church in the United States of America, and on this Sabbath day of rest, he has shared testimonies and a message, talking about the last days and the mark of the beast. The full sermon during the Sabbath service at Winston Green SDA Church, in the United Kingdom, is also available on the Bible Learners Ministries YouTube channel. You can browse our website, to find the related tropical discussions published on our main website Bible Learners Ministries website at www.biblelearnersministries.org www.biblelearnersministries.org There are a number of messages talking about Saturday as the natural, or earthly Sabbath day of rest. Sometimes people have talked of the Sabbath as not being that important, others have said, it doesn't matter. You can decide to have any day of the week as your custom Sabbath day, giving them an excuse for choosing Sunday as their Sabbath day. Some say that we are no longer under the law but under grace, but they do not understand the context in which the statement has been used in the scripture. Precious listener, you need to have understanding of the word Sabbath as used in scriptures. Sabbath rest has an implication, both in the natural and spiritual realm. Just as there is a natural Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, Saturday. There's also the spiritual Sabbath, that is, Jesus Christ the Saviour, and Lord of our souls. We've talked about the, the natural Sabbath day of rest, that is Saturday. We will have another discussion talking about the spiritual Sabbath rest, that is Jesus Christ. Saturday has been man's conventional earthly, or natural Sabbath day of rest. This has been so right from the first week in God's creation work, right from the beginning of the world, according to the book of Genesis 2. Thus the heavens and the earth, and all the host of them, were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Genesis 2 verses 1, 2, and 3. From the history of creation we see God creating the heavens and the earth and all things therein in six days. Man was created on the sixth day. Adam first, then Eve his wife. On the next day, that was the seventh day, God did not do any work, and instead, he spent the time in fellowship with mankind, his image and likeness, whom he had created the day before. So God created an extra one day and sanctified it, to have fellowship with Adam and Eve. As it is written. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Genesis 2 verses 2 and 3. So, God rested on the seventh day. Saturday, not on the first day, Sunday as those whose minds, the God of this world has blinded, have been made to believe. The Bible clearly tells us to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Exodus 20. The Sabbath day, the seventh day. 
Saturday, therefore, is God's holy day. Read through the word of God, seek the guiding of the Holy Spirit, and you will have good understanding from several scriptures, the significance of the seventh day Sabbath, which is Saturday and not Sunday. In these last days, the world under the influence of Satan is trying to adopt Monday as the official first day of men's working week. This is according to the Roman calendar. So that Sunday could officially become, the seventh day of the week. The people's working week, starting on Monday, and ending on Sunday means that Saturday will become the sixth day of the week, and obviously making Sunday, the seventh day of the week. This is total manipulation. Man lives in obstinate disobedience, as he has decided to change, or modify God's word. Many people in the world have come up with their own doctrines, rules, and laws. These laws, doctrines, rules and regulations are contrary to God's laws, and what was in God's plan at the beginning of time. This is rebellion, people rising against their Lord God, and opposing what God had intended for his people. The fallen world with their rules and regulations, rules that are being updated daily, is geared toward making the day known as Sunday, to appear to be the last, and seventh day of the week. This is contrary to God's week in creation, conventional week starting from Sunday, the first day and ending on Saturday, the seventh day. There is so much deception taking place, and in the near future, most people will give in to this deception that Sunday is the last day of the week, and also seventh day of the week. The workers of iniquity having officially made Sunday the seventh day of the week, they will then deceive many people that keeping the Sunday as their Sabbath, conforms to what the scriptures say. It is true that keeping the seventh day Sabbath holy, that is Saturday, this is according to scriptures. But there is nowhere in the scriptures, it's written or recommended that man was given authority to replace the seventh day of the week, Saturday with Sunday, which should be the first day of the week. The Bible warns us to beware of the deception, that would take place in the last days, and we are indeed living in the last days. The devil Satan has convinced and led many of his children, the disobedient, to believe that it is okay to keep this day, Sunday, holy, since it has been accepted as the seventh day of men's working week. It is a total lion manipulation from Satan, the liar, and the father of lies, the lie. It is written, six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it, it is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Leviticus 23 verse 3. The disobedient are the children of the evil one, Satan, who will claim that they are serving the Lord of heaven doing miracles, signs and wonders, and yet they are headed to the place where there shall be weeping, and gnashing of teeth. One day, Jesus will tell them I never knew you. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. We read this in the book of Matthew 7 verses 20-23. Rejecting God's prescribed order of observing, or doing things within his kingdom, or government is obstinate disobedience. This is deviating from God's laws, instructions, commands, laws and choosing to use man's own laws instead. This makes someone disobedient, rebellious, and worker of iniquity, or lawlessness. Jesus Christ therefore, gave this warning, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, 
shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. Matthew 7 verses 21, 22 and 23. Jesus Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth said that, he did not come to earth to change or destroy the law or the prophets, but to fulfill and indeed he fulfilled it. Jesus said, for assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot, or one tittle, will by no means pass from the law, till all is fulfilled. Read Matthew 5 verses 17 and 18. Indeed we are living in the last days. It is already midnight and the last trumpet is about to sound. The church, the bride of Jesus Christ, therefore, needs to wake up, the five wise virgins to get dressed and be ready to receive the bridegroom, our Lord Jesus Christ. True repentance, reformation and prepare the way. The present church, at the midnight hour is still asleep and naked. The church has failed to play the role of being the light of the world and therefore, needs repentance, reformation and prepare the way, as the Lord's return draws near. It is already midnight and the ten virgins are still sleeping, and yet the bridegroom is about to appear. Wake up precious friends, and be among the five wise virgins, that will be found with oil still in their lamps, as the last trumpet is about to sound. Precious people, we are living in the last days. More teachings on this topic are already available on the Bible study section, our main website, www.biblelearnersministries.org. Join us in part 3 of our discussion, talking about the spiritual Sabbath rest, that is Jesus Christ. Precious listener, we hope you have been blessed through the messages we are sharing, and also the programs. More topical discussions are being shared here at Bible Learners Corner. May the Lord continue to bless you as you share these messages with others. If you need more information about all the reference scriptures and verses in this article and other teachings, contact us at BibleLearnersMinistries at gmail.com. If you've got any biblical question, please post it at the Q&A section, Bible Learners Ministries main website. You can also join us in the Bible Learners Corner discussion and forum. Visit our main website for variety of Bible study and topical teachings, resources at Bible Learners Ministries, www.biblelearnersministries.org. That is, www.biblelearnersministries.org. Also, keep checking for the latest breaking news from heaven. Thank you and stay blessed as you continue to tune into our YouTube channel as well. Keep yourself updated for the latest heavenly news, general Christian news, breaking gospel news, the heavenly weather report, and more, compiled by Brother Onsongo Matura. On behalf of Brother Onsongo Matura, stay blessed. Shalom. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. I surrender all.
Solo a ti, solo a ti. 